Welcome back to another week of Pitches Be Crazy. My name is Lily. Um, I'm your host. And, you know, let, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's do what we usually do and make it happen. Let's, let's, get, it, let's get it happening. So, uh, as per usual, I'm going to start off with going through the standings this week and just seeing, you know, what's been happening. Has there been any movement, anything at all? I feel like it's been pretty predictable as of late. But let's talk. Let's talk about it. So starting off in the American League, let's go to the AL East. So surprise, surprise, the Yankees still lead the pack. Uh, they have a record of 52-18. and 18. They were the first team to 50 wins, which I believe last week I talked about how they were the first to 40. So are we really surprised? No, I don't think we should be because it's pretty predictable considering just the general flow of the season thus far. So they're absolutely slaughtering. Um, Next behind them, we have the Blue Jays, who are 12 and a half games back from that first place spot. The Red Sox, uh, though they were off to an abysmal start, they're 13 games back. So they're only half a game um, behind the Blue Jays for that second place spot. So really not too bad. The Tampa Bay Rays, are in fourth, uh, 14 and a half games behind the Yankees. Um, and then the Orioles are 20 and a half games back. But honestly, all things considered, they have a record of 32 and 39. It's not horrific. Like, you know, it, it's possible. I'm interested to see where they're going to be sitting at as we get to the All-Star break. I mean, I'm not expecting them to be like number one or anything by that anything like that but at the same time I wouldn't be surprised to see them actually kind of up there a little bit I've been talking about it a lot how I'm actually very high on the Orioles because I think they're a fun team they do have Ramon um, Urias who's Luis Urias at the Milwaukee Brewers brother and I'm a big Bruce Zimmerman fan um and on Colorcast, Connie said imagine not being a fan of the best team in baseball with the MVP on your team and armchair host also mentioned uh, that uh, Yankees uh, Yankee collapse incoming, and this is actually something I will be talking about uh, coming up shortly. And it's more so because not because I really I want this to happen or what it's going to be, but I was having this conversation with somebody about the hot start that the. Yankees have had and the Mets and it's just something I want to something I want to discuss and of course Stone Sports um Keller Cass said imagine being a fan of the fucking Yankees hey I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything but we know we know um moving on let's go check out what the standings are like in the AL West Astros leading the pack uh what can you do uh <laughs> Uh, Astros are leading with a record of 43 and 26. The Rangers, believe it or not, are in second. They're nine and a half games uh, back from first place. Then the Angels are 10 and a half games back. Mariners, 12 games back. And finally, the Athletics are 21 games back from that first place spot. And let's just be honest. Didn't expect this one. Uh... I think everybody was really, really, really was picturing that the Angels would be in a lot better shape right now, but they just have not been able to string anything together. Obviously, it's been better since that 
14 game losing streak, but they still haven't gotten to the point of what many people expected in terms of them being just completely dominant and really showing them who's boss. Um, Mariners, I'm a little disappointed in. They do have the same record as the Orioles right now, so that's something to take note of. But I'm hoping that we can see the AL West become a little bit more competitive maybe down the line. But right now, Astros are in control. So moving on to the AL Central, Guardians and Twins. What the hell? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and also too, sorry. I'm going to just quickly go mention some of the chat. First of all, Connie and Stone are, you know, arguing about the whole... You know, there's that whole little Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. Uh, I I have an allegiance to one of those sides, and I won't share, but we know it's the Red Sox. Um, And JJB said Mariner's staff has been remarkable as of late. Yeah, pitching has been absolutely unreal. And, I mean, again, like, Ty France has been doing really nicely as well, but it's just he's day-to-day right now, and... You know, it's kind of kind of rough, kind of rough patch for them. But I got faith. I got faith. And armchair, I appreciate it. Uh, Stone says Dusty's the best part of the smoke. Truly, uh, absolutely love Dusty Baker. How can you? He's the most redeeming part of the Astros. That whole franchise. So, and again, armchair, thank you so much. And Aaron Judge is the MVP. Indeed, he's the only likable Yankee. Says armchair, and I love Aaron Judge because I have him for fantasy. And that was just a great pickup, and I have not regretted it ever since then. So, oh boy, howdy. Okay, so, like I said, Ale Central. Believe it or not, this is something that I don't think anyone is ever expected to say or hear, but the Guardians and the Twins are both tied for first in the Ale Central. I'd love to see it. Technically, the Guardians are ahead um, just because they do have a record of 36 and 29 to the Twins, uh, 39 and 32. So they do have a slightly better winning percentage. But what? I love it. I love to see it. Uh, the Chicago White Sox aren't too far out of the mix, though. They're four and a half games back from first place. We have been seeing a pretty underwhelming season from them so far. But that's not to say it's going to be like that for the rest of time, but they are just not figuring it out at the moment. And I have a lot of friends who are big White Sox fans, and I do feel terrible for them right now, but they're quietly suffering. Um, I technically am on like, I'm I'm very close to guaranteed rate field, so I'm in White Sox territory. But, you know, I, I got faith. I'm I'm hoping to see... I'm hoping to see something better for them soon because they deserve that. They deserve better. Uh, but I know a lot of people in who will have teams in the AL Central, like Pat Rush in the chat, who's a Tigers fan, would not be happy for me to hear that from me. But I, I just gotta, I just gotta express my biases. I gotta tell everybody that. So moving on, uh, Patrick Rush's uh, Detroit Tigers are 12 games back out of first place. And the Royals are very close, 12 and a half games back. So you'd love to see it. Uh, again, Royals got one of my fave guys this season. Bobby Witt Jr., man. Gotta love the kid. But they're going to come back up again shortly in terms of some news that we can 
that we got to that we got to address. And Stone, thank you so much for tuning in. I do appreciate it. You jumping on at any point um, means a lot. I really appreciate it. So let's move on to the National League in the NL East. Uh, <laughs> the Mets are currently still leading the pack with a record of forty-five and twenty-six. The Braves, though, are only four games out of first, which is, you know, pretty impressive considering where they had been. The Phillies uh, aren't as hot as they once had been, but they are eight games out of first, so still still hanging in there. The Marlins are 11 and a half games back, and the Nationals are 20 and a half games back and sporting a very, very sad record of 25 and 47. Uh, whew, rest... Uh, Rest easy uh, to the <laughs> to the Nationals right now. Moving on to the NL West. Yep, better believe it. Dodgers are still leading the NL West. Uh, the Padres did have that for a little bit. And it is a very kind of interesting thing to look at right now in terms of what the standings are like because the Dodgers have a record of 43 and 25. The Padres technically have more wins than the Dodgers, but they do have more losses as well. So... Sporting more losses, more losses there isn't going to do you any good. So the Dodgers, 43 and 25. The Padres, 44 and 28. So Padres are one game back. Uh, the Giants are five and a half games out of first. Diamondbacks, 12 and a half. And the Rockies are 14 games back. So I feel like it's kind of looking how we expected or what we were anticipating that to be. Uh, moving on to my division, and boy howdy, is it something interesting now. So currently, um, the NL Central, uh, there's a tie for first between the Brewers and the Cardinals, both having a record of 40 and 32. Uh, I'm going to get to that shortly and discuss the latest series and what we saw between the two teams. The Pirates, sitting pretty in third, I love to see it. Uh, they're nine and a half games back with a winning percentage of 420. If only Stone Sports was still listening. Uh, the Cubs are 13 games back and the Reds are 15 and a half games back. So, you know, it's happening. Th- things are th- things are going on there. We're, we're seeing something. Moving on. So I wanted to kind of go through a few particular topics today. So obviously went through all of our standings, have a good idea of what's kind of going on. Uh, but I did mention that I was going to continue to talk about the all-star voting because it's a fun thing. I mean, let's just, let's just admit it. Uh, we haven't moved into phase two yet. So let's talk about these, uh, voting standings and how, how everything's playing out right now. So we're going to talk about the national league first, which is a little bit different than the standings because I always talk about the American league first. So uh, in the National League, Wilson Contreras of the Chicago Cubs is leading with the most votes for catcher. Um, Travis Darno and Yadier Molina are right behind him, but Wilson Contreras has a pretty big lead. I'm not going to discuss my feelings about him right now, but I'm a Brewers fan, so that should tell you everything you need to know. Um, for first base, uh, Paul Goldschmidt is leading with uh, just under nearly a million votes. But Pete Alonso's just behind, followed by Freddie Freeman and, guess what, Matt Olson. Ruddy Telez is sitting in sixth there. And, y'all, 
he's been ridiculous this season. I know Paul Goldschmidt's been great. I know Pete Alonso's been great. I know Freddie Freeman's great. I know Matt Olson's great. But get get a Brewer in there. Just do it. Um, for second base, Jazz Chisholm is leading the pack. Close behind is Ozzy Albies and also very close behind Jeff McNeil of the Mets. Uh, Colton Wong hanging in there, but, you know, you know. I love Jazz Chisholm. I think he's fun. Uh, I'd love to see him get that. Third base, uh, we have Manny Machado leading the pack. I'm not a big Manny fan, but he has been having a ridiculous season. Then we have Nolan Arenado and Austin Riley. So love to see it. You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna get any Cub in there, uh, the only one who will take and support is Patrick Wisdom. I uh, love the guy, love and respect Patrick Wisdom. Uh, for shortstop, Trey Turner, uh, way out in front. Dansby Swanson is in his second right now in terms of vote getting there. And then Francisco Lindor. Willie Adamas exists. Do I have to say it? Do I have to say it? Do I have to just mention that Willie Adamas exists? Um, put him in there. And just checking the chat really quickly on ColorCast, Armchair Host says, who is Jazz going to play for next deal? Because we know the Mar- Marlins won't pay him. That's something down the road that I feel like I could straight up do a whole episode just talking about. What's probably going to happen with that and that whole thing? For DH, uh, we have Bryce Harper leading the pack over a million. So he's he, he's doing a nice job there, uh, followed by William Contreras and then Albert Pujols. So, you know, interesting, interesting, interesting. Then in terms of uh, outfielders, we have Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna Jr., both with over a million votes. Then Jack Peterson, Starling Marte, Juan Soto, Adam Duvall, Marcana, Marcelo Zuna, Cody Bellinger, and Harrison Bader to all make it within the top 10. So, you know, you know. So pretty interesting, pretty fun. Gotta enjoy it. Uh, Lots of great outfielders. And obviously we are already seeing them getting a ton of votes. So let's move on to the American League. So, for catchers, Alejandro Kirk is leading the pack over a million votes. Good for you. Um, Jose Trevino of the Yankees is in a second. And then we have Salvador Perez. So, pretty solid right now. Pretty solid little group. Then, for first baseman, we have uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Not surprising. Almost at a million. And then we got my guy, Ty France. Love to see it. Love to see it. Um, you know for a fact I was already voting for him, so let's keep it up. Let's keep it up, y'all. Then we have Anthony Rizzo, which, again, can't hate the guy. I really can't. I just gotta say it. Not a Yankees gal, but I can't hate Anthony Rizzo. I respect him, and I like that he's no longer a Cub, um, because then I don't have to face him as often. Then for second baseman, Jose Altuve is leading the pack, followed by Santiago Espinal. Then, um, Andres uh, Jimenez of the Guardians, so... Again, got some interesting things happening there. Moving on to third base, uh, we have Rafael Devers leading the pack, but Jose Ramirez of the Guardians is close behind. Then we have Matt Chapman, and my uh, vote-getter, Bobby Wood Jr., is in ninth currently. So, y'all, let's let's get it happening. Let's get it rolling. (laughs) For shortstops in the American League, Bo Bichette is currently leading the pack, but Tim Anderson and Xander Bogarts are both close behind, which again, none of this should be too surprising. 
I think this is kind of what we were expecting. This, however, for DHs, I... This is what I was imagining happening. I thought it was going to be kind of flip-flopped, but at the moment, uh, for DH, uh, Jordan Alvarez is in first. Shohei Otani is currently in that second slot, and then JD Martinez. But the amount of votes between Jordan Alvarez and Shohei Otani is a lot larger than I would have expected. So I'm going to be interested in seeing how that shakes out. For outfielders, we'll once again go through the top 10. Aaron Judge, no shock, leading the way. One and a half million votes. Then we have Mike Trout, who has nearly uh, 1.3 million, so also insane. Then George Springer, Giancarlo Stanton, Taylor Ward, Byron Buxton, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Teoscar Hernandez, um, Michael Brantley, and Kyle Tucker. So, again, lots of very deserving guys there, but I'm going to continue to follow it. Again, it's kind of just fun to talk about some other type of standings, and All-Star Game is a great time. So you bet that I will be continuing to cover that. I'm going to be excited to share my ballot again once we get to Phase 2 because, again, it's not only going to be Brewers, and there's probably really not going to be many, but I think Brewers will likely have more pitchers in it than anything. That's kind of what's been happening the past few years. But, hey, hey, can't hate it. Can't hate it. So one of the things I did want to talk about was something to me that's just, like, a couple crazy things that have been going on in the league, and... I feel like I end up just talking about him every single week at this point, but Shohei Otani, he is just always doing something. And it's just one of those things where I feel like every outing, we're like, you're watching history happen right before your eyes. And it feels almost redundant to be saying that at this point, and like a, that I'm like a broken record, but he just keeps doing it. He keeps just being absolutely phenomenal. And it's amazing to be able to sit and watch him and see what's happening because it's just crazy. It's just crazy to see a guy like him playing at such a high level. So he had a career high game in terms of strikeouts against the Royals over eight shutout innings. And the thing about this that, is super crazy is that the night before he had a career night where he had eight RBIs yeah had two homers and come on to have two career games back to back like that doing such different things is just insanity it's crazy to you know all of a sudden see somebody having an eight RBI game Rowdy Telez had that during his uh during his week stint when he was awarded NL Player of the Week because he had a record high uh, for Brewers uh, in the franchise history with eight RBIs. So for Shohei to do that, and then all of a sudden the following night, have an outing where you go eight innings, eight shutout innings, and then with 13 strikeouts, it's just kind of insane. He is really on another level, and at this point, it's almost just like, what more is there to say? I it, It's just really nothing short of amazing. So you just have to kind of give credit where credit's due. Um, because watching him just feels 
really special and I I love to see it. So moving on to some other big news, it was this is one that I was very excited about and it was because earlier on when we were doing Batflips and Chill, uh John Ball and myself on Colorcast, we were going through each team and talking about something that we were excited about in terms of current player they have, maybe what we expect out of their season. And John would then usually mention a guy in the minors or one of their, you know, top ranked uh, prospects. And when we did the Pirates, of course, we ha- he mentioned O'Neill Cruz. And it's so awesome to see him in the game and finally up in the show. I didn't expect it to happen so quickly, but hey, it, it it's been like that lately. So... If you're not aware, he's the six foot seven shortstop of the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates, which is just crazy in and of itself. And that's been causing a lot of sort of, you know, oohs and ahs because what? I mean, six foot seven shortstop just sounds like a really. Well, it sounds like an oxymoron. And he's good. Kid, kids, kids been doing all right so far. So let, let's kind of look at it. Let's talk about it. Um, there was the huge thing where he threw, wasn't it like 97 miles per hour? Or it was the hardest thrown uh, ball by an infielder in MLB this year. Um, 96.7 miles per hour, forgive me. Um, and he also had the <laughs> hardest hit ball of the year by a pirate. And the three fastest sprint speeds of the year. Uh, by a Pittsburgh player. So that was just in three innings of his debut. That wasn't even within like the entire game. So we're seeing a really impressive kid already. And this is just another one too, where it's like exciting to watch and just being able to see what he can do and that he's already doing so well. Um, I love to see it. I don't know. I love these kids coming in and then just showing up and showing the league that they're for real. They're not just here to here to be doing this. They're they're here and they're ready to perform and do this. So I also like to mention he is 23. So that's also crazy. He is uh he is older than me by a little bit. So for once I do get to say that I'm not embarrassed that somebody is younger than me and, you know, just casually in the majors. But still, this is just really impressive. And you got to give credit where credit is due. So I was going to spend some time talking about some potential trade rumors. And again, I will a little bit because there's not too, too much going on in terms of what we could be expecting right now. Um, The biggest rumors I think we've been hearing is that the Royals potentially are looking to see what they can get for um, Whit Merrifield, which is kind of crazy to hear considering he's been with them for so long. And the other big one is um, Luis Castillo of the Cincinnati Reds. And this, I would say, is interesting to hear about, but it's not too shocking because we know that neither the Royals nor the Reds are going to be contenders this season. They've already hit that point in time where That's just not in their future, not in the cards for this season. So hearing that they're very likely to 
trade those pieces, I don't think is going to be shocking. Um, and I think we'll kind of be seeing as we get closer to the trade deadline, what some of these rumors end up being like, but pitches be crazy originally started me as me doing um, MLB off season talk to talk about trade rumors, uh, acquisitions, all of that fun stuff. And then we had lockout. So I mostly had to cover that. But as we're moving back into it, it's going to get a lot more trade rumor heavy, which is one of my favorite things. So get ready for it. But I'm very interested just to see who else are going to be giving up major pieces to see if maybe the Chicago Cubs will be doing that once again and selling. Um, If we'll see, obviously, Pittsburgh, I wouldn't be surprised. I'll be interested to see if Brian Reynolds actually moves this year. I feel like every single season, it's just waiting to see if they're going to move him or not. Um, We'll find out. But I think it's going to be a lot of the usual suspects. And in terms of buyers, we've already heard that the Padres and the Mets are both interested in Luis Castillo. So we'll see what happens there. But I'm not going to spend too, too much time talking about that right now um I did really want to talk about New York and kind of the state of these New York teams and something this was inspired by a conversation I was having with somebody today just about you know where you kind of expect your team to be and what is sort of your comfort level with how they're trending at different points in the season and for me, I was talking about how for my teams, like for the Brewers, for example, I'm one of those people that would rather have a lot of the big issues happen early on in the season. So like just anytime prior to the all-star break, because I'd rather face some of those devastating injuries or um, wear and tear issues or even losing streaks, things like that. I'd rather deal with it then and then start off stronger and build up and get that momentum going as you head towards the end of the season after All-Star break. And I'm not saying that this is going to be what happens with the Mets and the Yankees, but something I want to bring up is that we really haven't seen them have any significant skids yet so far this season. There have been a few maybe not-so-fun losses or moments that weren't ideal, but we haven't seen a major skid by any of the New York teams. And it's not to say that there is going to be one, but just with the length of the season, you can expect at some point to face a losing streak or uh, a low point or sort of a dip in terms of that season and what it's actually looking like. And my major concern for them is that if they're hitting the ceiling right now and they're continuing to extend that and make it better and better and better they're still going to be in a good position by the end of the season but is there an opportunity for them to kind of fall back and hit lows at probably the worst times in terms of all of a sudden let's say it's the end of August beginning of September and they had a losing skid that's going to completely destroy your your momentum and potentially put you in a difficult situation going into the postseason. Even if you've been doing so consistently well throughout the season itself, 
are you potentially going to be in a spot where you're going to have to be concerned about getting back to that position and living up to those standards? And again, winning is always good. There's I I don't want to make I don't want to make it seem like that that you can't be a team who's winning right now because that's just not realistic. But it's just something that I'm going to be thinking a lot about in terms of where could we see potentially a collapse happen for these teams. Again, for the Yankees, they've only lost 18 games, so they're doing a lot right. But I'm interested to see if it's just going to be bad luck at the plate. Is it going to be pitching? Is it going to be injuries? What's going to happen? And could that be the moment that helps or not helps? Could that be the moment that causes the Yankees to have somewhat of a collapse? Um, In the same way with the Mets, we've been seeing them do so well despite having Max Scherzer out and Jacob deGrom, both out with injuries. And for me, part of me has been wondering, so we've been seeing a very successful Mets team in spite of that. And I think with what initially people were expecting to see was that without these guys in, maybe we'd see some success or they would be winning some games, but it's not going to be everything. But instead, we've seen McGill has really stepped up to being an important starter for them. And the team has just been really great offensively. They're getting tons of base hits and rallies that way. They're, you know, hitting home runs, but that's not their whole offense. And that's just been really, really, really fantastic for them. They've been doing so well. And my concern is if that's going to be able to, if they're going to be able to produce at this level throughout the rest of the season, and are they going to be able to do this once they get their pitching back? And of course, you look at it and go, yeah, shouldn't that just be a given? And part of me is like, yeah, of course it should be. but at the same time, you kind of question it. You kind of wonder, are they going to be able to maintain the success? And for me, I think it's still really possible. I'm still expecting some sort of losing skid. I will say, I think the Mets are better poised to not have as detrimental or huge of a losing skid as the Yankees, um, which might not make a lot of sense. But just with the way they're playing, I think it's just slightly uh, less likely for the Mets. And for me, it's just seeing, again, the type of offense they're producing. The Mets, too, have been uh, – the Yankees have been just ridiculous at home. Mets have been very good at home as well. But I just – I have – there's just sort of a hunch that we might see a worse drop-off for the Yankees than the Mets. And that might also just be because they have been the most winningest team so far this season. But, you know – who knows? Who knows what we're going to see? Uh, I think they're both doing well offensively and not relying too much on the long ball, which does put them in a bit better of a position. But still, we're going to see something interesting happen, uh, I feel like, very soon. And JJB on ColorCast brings up a really important point and something else to consider. And he said the Dodgers are going to be the ones uh, to collapse, in my opinion. And... I think this is also a possibility and also very likely to happen. And this is something I I feel like from the get-go, I've talked about how I'm not too high on the Dodgers and I'm just not a big fan of their whole 
philosophy and the way that they build their team and what they do with it. For me, it's just not my cup of tea. Uh, that's not what I enjoy. I obviously have a small market team. That's where my heart is. But I don't like seeing all of a sudden going, okay, we're going to just continue to sign all these big names and keep keep it being good and whatever. But I, j- I just don't like money doing everything. And of course, that's capitalism. We get into a way bigger issue. So... I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into that right now, but I think we've already seen a Dodgers team that is not as dominant as maybe has been anticipated, but they haven't really been able to pull away from uh the Padres yet or anybody else in the division. So it does kind of make you wonder <laughs> what are we going to be seeing then in the future. Um, And where are we going to be seeing sort of down the line? And again, I think so much can happen and we don't exactly know what to see, but I'm just going to read what JJB mentioned in the chat because I think it is kind of the most important things to take note of it. Um, And I agree with one point very specifically. So he said, Tyler Anderson and Tony Gonsolin aren't going to continue to be Cy Young guys. Beeler being hurt, um, relying on Kershaw and his back and Mookie being injured. I don't know. And Tatis coming back. So I completely agree with Gonsolin specifically. He's been having a ridiculous season, but I don't know how he's going to be maintaining that. Tyler Anderson will be interesting to see. Obviously, the Dodgers have been out uh, without Dustin May for a very long time. Uh, And Bueller being out sucks for them and just being injured. um, Because he, I would say, is their most consistent guy in terms of somebody who I would actually trust no matter how he's doing throughout the season. Kershaw, just in interesting shape, I would, I guess, (laughs) to say the least. And Mookie Betts being one of your most important pieces offensively, not not being healthy, is really brutal. And of course, they have Trey Turner. They have Freddie Freeman. They have all of these guys who are still amazing in doing a lot. But Again, they're the type of team that I feel like when one piece is kind of missing, it's not good. They might be able to continue playing really well and performing at a high level. But when you start to lose more and more of those sort of foundational pieces that are holding everything up, the <laughs> the tower starts to crumble and everything starts to collapse and fall. Um, and the Padres are a good team. Like, we just have to admit it. Um, I hate saying it, but they are poised to continue to be doing well. And I think they're a lot more legit than the Dodgers. And that might be a hot take. I don't care if it is. I don't care if it isn't. It's just what I've seen so far out of the Padres pitching scares me. I think they are really doing something good and have this sort of like insane starter, like starting rotation in terms of how many different guys they can slot in there. Uh, Mackenzie Gore looked really good when he, we at the Brewers played them, and I was sort of mortified and terrified of him. Um, JJB says, Clevenger is awful, but Joe Musgrove is a top five starting pitcher in MLB, truly. Um, and then Pat said, can the Giants come back in the NL West? And I agree with JJ. I think it's unlikely it could happen, but it would have to kind of be a perfect storm. I think compared to last season, it's something where 
you'd really have to rely on the Dodgers falling flat and the Padres completely falling flat. Um, and then all of a sudden the Giants having some sort of lucky stretch or going into the postseason really, really hot. For me, that just seems like the only possibility. But going back to the Padres, JJB also says Darvish looking like Darvish. So their pitching is just something that I think is fascinating. And they have a really, really great squad there in San Diego. As much as I don't want to admit it, again, it's just impressive. And you have to give them credit where credit's due. Um, In regards to the Giants and what they've been doing. I just don't think there's enough happening there. I think they're not in bad shape to, you know, potentially do something um, as we get closer to the postseason after All-Star break. But also, I'm not going to give them that much in to say that the Giants are going to be able to, like, pull off a complete comeback there. But you never know what's going to happen. Baseball is baseball. It's always exciting. Um so I do this every week, and of course we have to end talking about the NL Central. So what's been going on in the NL Central I think is just extremely interesting, and we're already seeing how interesting and exciting it's going to be to watch what goes down as we go down the stretch. So like I had mentioned earlier when we were going through standings um, throughout the league, The Brewers and the Cardinals are tied for first in the NL Central. They both have a record of 40 and 32. What I think is even more interesting about that is so far they've had three, four game series um, throughout the season, and they have completely split all of those series. So the Brewers have won six games and the Cardinals have won six games. So they have been just completely deadlocked with each other. Um, I will say one thing of note, I forget at the time when I heard this, I think it wasn't even that long ago, that comparing the two, the Cardinals have technically won more games outside of the NL Central. So compared to the Brewers, and the Brewers have won more games within the NL Central. So take that as you will, um, considering that the teams they're playing are the Pirates, Cubs, and Reds. But We're seeing a very sort of evenly matched NL Central. I think in years prior, we've seen it where, you know, maybe the Brewers are completely dominating the series or maybe the Cardinals are completely dominating the um, season series. I don't think I've ever seen it be so deadlocked between these two contenders. And I'll be the first to admit, too, I really did not believe in the Cardinals to be a contender for even just first in the NL um, Central. I I did not see this. I didn't see it as a possibility early on. And it's just because I think they have a lot of good pieces and I think there's a lot there, but I just didn't really have enough faith in them being able to pull it off and like pull it together, especially considering um, Adam Wainwright's age Jack Flaherty being fairly inconsistent and also dealing with a lot of injuries And just, you know, having had a kind of a rough couple back-to-back seasons and then all of a sudden, you know, putting Dakota Hudson in there and having to put a lot of faith in him, I just didn't see it working. And of course, I've been proven wrong. Uh, I'll be the first to admit it. And with the Brewers, we saw a not great losing skid, but at the same time, like kind of in the same conversation with what I was talking about with the Mets and Yankees, I'm happy it happened 
now compared to having a huge skid like this later in the season. Um, the one thing I will say too is that the Cardinals do are dealing with some injuries. Obviously, um, Yadier Molina has been out for a bit um, with an injury, and Tyler O'Neill hasn't been in, and he is absolute stud. Crazy to not be seeing him in this lineup day to day, but the Brewers have some fairly significant injuries in terms of Freddie Peralta has been out for a while and will be out for a while. Um, and he's one of their guys in the main rotation. Uh, Brandon Woodruff has been out and that also has been a very difficult thing for the Brewers to have to kind of deal with. Um, Obviously, he didn't make a huge impact at the start of this season, but Jake Cousins uh, has been a very solid reliever for the Brewers last season in particular. He hasn't been in. And right now, too, Colton Wong is injured. There was a stretch where both Willie Damas and Hunter Renfro were injured. And then Luis Arias was injured. And all of these factors have just really been not good for the Brewers, but they've been sort of managing. We've been seeing all of a sudden Trevor Kelly stepping up and being a phenomenal reliever for them. Aaron Ashby really stepping into his role and being a part of that starting rotation um, for the Brewers. And even too, Jason Alexander coming out of nowhere saying, I proclaim this to be the summer of George, but not really summer of Jason Alexander. Um, And just kind of be this little X factor for the Brewers in a time where they're dealing with some devastating injuries. And again, I'm not going to be the one to say that as soon as they get healthy, they're all of a sudden going to be insanely good or infinitely better. But I think we're going to see a different team. We just, that's a very, I think, easy statement to make. And already, too, we've seen a lot of sort of lulls with the offense. But when they start connecting, things are looking a lot better. Uh, In times of need, Jace Peterson has really stepped up. Uh, Tyrone Taylor has been a huge X factor for them and moving Christian Yelich into that start off uh, leadoff spot for the Brewers has been a really great move and has improved his batting and what he's been able to do for the Brewers on the offense. Of course, it'll be interesting to see once Colton Wong is healthy and back just to see if what they're going to do there. Do you put Colton back there or do you keep Christian there? Because they have both been doing really well in that spot and excelling. And it's just such a tough call, but I still think, and bias aside, I do genuinely believe that if the Brewers can be consistent, the NL Central is theirs just because I think they are when healthy, sporting a more complete team than the Cardinals are. And I would admit it, and I would say it if I felt the other way, but it's just not what I'm seeing. And of course, part of this is because, obviously, they're my team. I do follow it a lot. I do follow the Brewers a lot more closely. I know a lot more about what's going on, you know, inside and out, and having just a better read on all of that sort of news. But there's just something there that I think if they can really, really just stay consistent and start performing, I think their ceiling is a lot higher than the Cardinals is. Um, And that's kind of where I think I'll leave it. 
thank you guys all so much. Have a fantastic Friday and an even better weekend. And let's have some good baseball this weekend. Let's let's do it. <laughs> Bye.